says, get that India, big boy. Well, there was some a cappella work from our 60s birds in the background there, but welcome to another episode of The Tip Sheet. My name's 4020, also known as John. Uh, joining me, as always, is my good mate, 60s. Uh, Parramatta lodging another win, mate. Uh, this one, they made us sweat a little bit, but they got their 36-10 over the dogs. How are you holding up after getting out the bank west in those dreary conditions? Mate. Whenever there's a Parramatta win, I don't notice the dreary conditions. <laughs> it's like a bright, sunny Sunday whenever there's a win. So, uh, no, yeah, no dramas about the conditions for me, mate. Real happy with the win. Yeah, and this is a real cliched victory, isn't it? Because it was very much a game of two halves. Parramatta struggled heavily in the first half. A lot of loose possessions, unforced errors. Admittedly, the Canterbury Bulldogs turned up the play. I thought that they challenged Parramatta, especially in defense. They were really aggressive and got up and made some good contact. But the Eels really just struggled with their game plan, struggled to execute, and the Dogs capitalized on that and took a 10-6 lead at halftime uh, against all odds, uh, which you know, really put the pressure on the Parramatta Eels coming out of Oranges. And they lifted magnificently and went back to what really uh, what really you know makes them a great team, rolling it through the middle, fast play down the edges, um, and they you know rolled the Dogs over to pour on 30 points unanswered in the second half and um, take that game by the Scoffers. Neck, a little bit of controversy in this game. Uh, Murata Niakore, Sinbin for... It certainly wasn't an innocuous hit. I thought it was a, a penalty on report sufficient, but the way the crackdown is these days, he was put in the Sinbin. And um, in return, in the second half, we saw Luke Thompson, uh, about a minute after the, the incident occurred, uh, called back out for a late shot in Dylan Brown and put in the Sinbin. Um, and I know that some neutrals have tried to point to that as the turning point in the game, but the Eels were already rolling by that point and uh, had addressed the, uh, the deficiencies that let the Bulldogs really get into the contest. So, um, yeah, some odd moments. And I suppose the one that trumped both of them was the... And you were out there. I was at home because I had my family over for a big day. So I watched this one um, from home. But uh, you were out there and would have um, been on the ground with all the chaos. When the play broke down for, was it three to five minutes for the trainer? From the dogs? As oh, they... yeah. It seemed, look, it seemed like an absolute eternity. No one it, knew what was it... happening. The trainer obviously made the wrong call and then at that point has to pull a player because once you, you stop play, you have to pull a player. So they pulled uh, Tuopolo to Katoa, I believe. And yeah, but it took them a long time to figure out who they're going to pull and they eventually caught it a HIA. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of fallout from this in terms of what the NRL does as a precedent moving forwards uh, because that was bizarre. I think if if you're in a situation where you were a bit confused watching at home when you had the, the benefit of the, the, the commentary, the commentary and, team were uh, literally at loss to explain back. it. It was bizarre. Yeah, well, we up in the stands, all we're seeing is what's going on out on the field. So it was pretty confusing about what was going on out there. So if you if you had the benefit of any sort of uh, sideline commentators or uh, the sideline eye getting their word from uh, officials, anything like that, then you're in a better position than what we were. Look, it was one of those games where from start to finish, there was going to be an element of ugliness about it. Mm -hmm. I think Mitch tweeted one of my comments midway through the first half where I said that um, the uh, referee, Matt Checken, who I'm actually a quite a, um, a, 
I have a lot of respect for checking as a ref. I think he's one of the best around. But he was he was literally doing uh, backstroke out on the field. Such was his arm movements to the Bulldogs get back on side behind him. He just kept waving the arms from uh, be, from his side in that backstroking sort of motion, saying both sides of the ruck get back behind me. And it was it was literally nonstop. And if it wasn't that, it was certainly the uh, the dogs just holding down in the ruck. And that that's an important uh-huh. point because Trent Barrett had a big complaint in his post-match presser about how he felt that the, the dogs were unfairly penalised. But, geez, they got away with a lot that could have been called oh. even beyond that. They they deliberately almost gored, like, gored with their heads in the ruck every time they got up to slow down the ruck more, and it could have been caught a number more times. And, yes, the Eels were dominant in the six against and penalty calls, but I think that was warranted. If you're going to play that kind of style, the Melbourne Roosters slowdown style where they, they back their defence to give away the infringements and, and you know allow a set defensive line, you've got to take the punches when they come from the officials. And they actually it was um, you could have you could have actually argued at the point where the Bulldogs were ahead of the Eels that they were doing a far better job of stretching the rules than what the Eels were today. And I think that I think that summed up the first half where you had I think it was fair to say Parramatta was becoming frustrated with the ball in hand and looking not just clunky but um, completely out of sorts in attack. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of that was really down to the Bulldogs' spoiling tactics. Correct. And they, yeah, they 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 copped a, a bit of a penalty count and a six again count. But I thought they got off well and truly easy on that, and were were probably lucky that they weren't pinged far more often. It was it it, it as I said, it did make the the game in the first half quite ugly, and thankfully Parramatta just stop going lateral which they were uh, trying to do far too much of in the first half and and uh, then expose the weaknesses in the in the bulldogs ruck well, area so let's, let's take a run through the uh, macro stats the team stats in this game with the Parramatta Eels prevailing 36 to 10 over the Canterbury Bulldogs Ryan Madison starting the scoring when he uh, fortuitously uh, took that drop ball uh, from the dogs and, and dived over uh, Mitchell Moses, Sean Lane, and Reagan Campbell-Gillard all followed uh, with the two big men there, Sean Lane in particular, scoring a memorable try with the uh, the Brett Kenny dummy. Um, so he did well there. And it was capped off with a double to the rookie, Sean Russell, which was awesome to see. And the team rallied around him there um, and really celebrated. Mitchell Moses having another flawless night off the kicking tee, six from six. For the Dogs, Dylan Napa, likewise with our Ryan Madison, a fortuitous recipient of a, a batted or dropped uh, sorry about that, batted or dropped ball. And then the Dogs added a second try with Tua Pelota Katoa scoring while the Eels had a man in the bin. Uh, Jake Avrilo just going one from two. Uh, like we mentioned before, Murata Niakore and Luke Thompson both spending 10 minutes on the sidelines due to sin biddings. Uh, in terms of the possession and completions, Eels dominating possession 58% to the Dogs 42. Time possession skewed heavily to Parramatta as a result. 32 minutes for the Blue and Gold and just 23 minutes for Canterbury. Uh, Eels completing at 77% clip. Uh, dogs at 71%, and credit to the Eels to get their completion rate to 77%, because I think we were saying in the first half it was barely 60%, 60s, so which means that in the second half they must have dialed it up to 90-plus percent. Yeah, it, would have, it was much, so much better in the second half than that first half. first half was uh, out there. It was certainly frustrating mm-hmm. watching the errors, but as I said, I think that a lot of that came down to the spoiling tactics, and we didn't respond well to the spoiling tactics. And that's, uh, that's Thank been, heavens for half-time, mate. That's been where the Eels have had some struggles this year of St. George and uh, 
manly to an extent of those spoiling tactics. Uh, but uh, the possession dominance reflected in the attacking categories. Eels ahead on runs, 600 more, 650 more run meters. No, 600 more run meters. Do my maths. Um, 100 uh, plus more post contact meters. Five line breaks to one. 25 tackle breaks to 12. Uh, more than five meters in be- uh, advantage on the average set distance. Um, again, the slow play the ball 3.97 seconds to 3.31. Um, Eels with more offloads. Uh, better at kick defusals, which was um, pretty obvious during the course of the game. 77% effective defusal rate for the Eels to the Dogs, 47%. Um, both teams defended really well, actually. 95.2% effective tackle rate for the Eels, 91.4% for the Dogs, um, which probably was, you could see that from the eye test. Both teams had, uh, particularly in the first half, really strong contact for out. Um, the Dogs actually had one less error than the Eels, 11-12. to 12, But then you talk about the penalties, 4-1 to one conceded. Ruck infringements, 6-1 to one conceded. Inside the 10, 2-1 to one conceded and then a sim bin apiece. Uh, the Dogs apparently only used four interchanges, which must have been due to a number of HIA substitutions because um, they, they had at least uh, two or three of those that I saw throughout the course of the game. So you can't imagine them using four in a normal game. In terms of the individual stats, mate, um, I, I mean, Quentin Gufferson had a good game, a very good game. I thought the Haas played okay. Reagan Campbell-Gild was very good. Browning was excellent. Sean Lane, barring that one really bad error in the first half, was excellent. But the play of it, I have to... Like, he just pops off the stat book. Isaiah Papali'i, 20 runs, 238 metres, 110 of them post-contact. He's got him down for... uh, Where are we? Uh, They said 8tacklebarsonero.com, but Fox reckons it was 11 on their broadcast. Uh, He was... And on top of that, he didn't, you know, slack in defence. He made 30 tackles with three miss, so a 91% effective tackle rate. He was just an absolute monster on that left edge. They they were bumping off him every run. And I just, uh, before we uh, talk a little bit more about ice, what was uh, the total post-contact metres? Have you got a total post-contact metres for the Eels? Give me, if you uh, wax lyrical for 30, not even 30 seconds, I'll get the old uh, Microsoft calculator out and I'll, uh, no, there was one back there. What am I saying? There is one back there. Uh, post-contact, 648 to the Dogs, 439. So comprehensively outgaining the post-contact there. And the biggest culprit, or biggest culprit, it's the biggest uh, exemplars of that. Obviously, Isaiah Papali, 110. Uh, we got 37 from Hayes, 39 from Dillon, 65 from Reg, 39 from Junior, 70 from Nathan Brown, 64 from Murata, 70, 56 from uh, Sean Lane. So uh, a lot of uh, contributors there. I thought that that was as as much as there were some missed tackles from the Bulldogs. I thought it was the just the leg drive in the contact from the Eels players that made a a difference down the middle. It for for mine, I was glad that we started to head back and do some damage through centre field in the second half mm-hmm. before we exploited the edges because. There was plenty of metres to be made. I didn't think we did that quite enough in the first half. No. And we did that so much better in the second half. Um, Just with regard to Ice, I thought he was absolutely outstanding today. You you summed it up in saying that it just pops, his performance just pops off the page. He he was a standout in in any 3-2-1s today. It was just, um, and he, he had his family over from, New Zealand, uh, what what better performance could he have put on for having the family there to watch that? So There's some good timing uh, for, um, for the uh, families of Parramatta players because I know that the Hipgraves 
came down by coincidence this week and, and ended up with Keegan playing first grade. So, yeah, really yes. good to see that. And um, uh, I think Nathaniel Roach had uh, family over as well. So uh, it, was, uh, it was really good timing for uh, some, uh, some of the Eels players. And yeah. uh, the, those blokes delivered as you'd as you'd hope that they would but it was yeah great a great great individual performances out there in um what you'd what i'd probably give a pass mark to without getting carried away in terms of a a team performance so you mentioned um, yeah really please um just some of the what what what's your main takes from this match mate i mean it, it shows you the importance of getting to your kick um, the Parramatta Eels were just the, the first half. There must have been half a dozen plus errors in in the Bulldogs' half. Just you know, really soft turnovers. Where I know that at one time Dylan got knocked the ball knocked out by a great tackle, um, but beyond that, there was just some really soft drops. Tom Opperchick dropped it once or twice. Uh, we mentioned that Sean Lane had a bad drop. Um, it felt like you know just across the park the, the team weren't quite switched on, and. It shows you what happens when you give teams like even the dogs, the lowly Canterbury Bulldogs, um, you know, for all the, the jokes about how bad they've been going, or not even, not even really jokes, <laughs> they are travelling very bad, or they're coming off a very good effort against the St. George Dragons. Um, if you give teams like that a chance, they will push you. And we, we did that in the first half, and then the second half we went back, uh, composed ourselves and got back into our rhythm, didn't play down to the dogs, didn't play down to the style of play that they wanted this game to be, and they really struggled to go with us. And I suppose that's that's the lesson there is that you've got to always try and fight against it. the opposition team dragging you into their pace to how they want the game to play and manage to stay you know on track of your game plan. Well, I think that was pretty much the pattern that happened when we lost to both the Dragons and Manly, where they were allowed to dictate the play to us, and we weren't able to turn it around in the second half. It's arguable that. The performances of those, both of those teams were far better than the performance of the Bulldogs today. But as you said, uh, you you cannot, with any team, uh, complete such uh, have have such poor completion rate and invite them into the the contest because it's NRL, it's first grade. This is you, you just can't afford to do it. So um, I'm coming away from this, and I'm and I'm first of all I'm taking the. Uh, Quite sound debuts from um, Sean Russell with his try double that he got, and how good it was to see him uh, that first one that he gave the opposition no chance to tackle him out over the sideline, getting down low and diving uh, right in, into the corner there, uh, taking advantage of the greasy conditions to get a slide of about five meters over the over the try line. Um, good backing up for the second try, and then uh, Nathaniel Roach who. Uh, I had a, an opportunity to speak to him after the game. He's due to get some scans this week and uh, find out just what the uh, extent of the injury yeah, is. So it's good that you fingers played, crossed. It's good that the, you raised that because the the talk on social media was a potential dislocated kneecap, uh, which can be a tricky injury. Obviously, it, I don't think it's as bad as an ACL, but it can have some complications. So um, if that's the case. We do wish him the best, obviously, because he's been very good for our reserve grade team. And in terms of just his individual journey in the NRL, he has been awfully unlucky. I mean, he's done ACL, he's done Achilles, he's done back. So he has been through the wars and back. And, um, you know, he had a, a solid showing today. I thought he had a couple of nice runs out of dummy half until he got banged up. And I, I really hope for him that he has um, nothing too serious there, right, 60s? 
Yeah, well, he look, he was walking after the game, but that's no indication of of the seriousness of an injury. As we as we remember, when uh, Gutho had that serious knee injury, he was able to walk off the field, and um, it's it's of course it's the it's when you go to apply pressure that you that you have a, a problem. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll wait to see what the scans show. There's uh, not too much outside of that that I can update people on in terms of um in terms of where things look for nathaniel roach but a very solid debut and he was just starting to have a bit of a think about some darts from dummy half i thought that he was it was there was his dart from dummy half and i'm trying to think who followed up with another dart from dummy half that set up an eels try where they just started to really get the Mm -hmm. meters through the middle of the ruck and, and uh, I think he was just in that process of uh, about to explore. Yeah, he, he was really ready to open up into that game at that point. And unfortunately, it looked like there was nothing in it. He just got wrapped up in a tackle. He didn't he didn't scream out or anything like that. He sort of just sat there. And then uh, it was, I think it was a Gufferson and the ref immediately sort of just said, no, 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 time up. So hopefully um, there's nothing serious. And if there is any sort of injury, it is on the shorter term uh, for recovery because he's been really fun to watch in Reggie's. And I feel like he's a guy that can really add value to the Eels in that run to the finals because I know that we've got Joey Lusick doing a fantastic job as a starting dummy half in Reed's absence, but just having those sort of options to be able to rotate on the bench and match up in certain games where you feel like having that, uh, you know, the, the bundle of energy in the dummy half runner off the bench in Roach might match up better against, like, say, Melbourne or something like that or South Sydney. Um, having those options is always huge as a coach. So, yeah, uh, hopefully a speedy recovery there. Um, so we've got we've got uh, mostly positives that we can take out of today. The the negatives, obviously, with letting a team get uh, start to dictate terms during the first half. And I thought the, the I thought the dogs came to play in the first half. We played poorly, but they also uh, looked to roll on from that win against St George. Uh, but yeah, you, like you said, we let them dictate the flow of the game a bit, and that's always frustrating because that's how we lost to St George uh, and Manly and Souths. So, like those three games, our three losses. Each of them was from the opening opening portions of the game. The opposition team managed to impose their will a bit and uh, allow you know the or force the eels to play within the confines of how they wanted to control the game. Yeah, and it was look, it was it was strange to watch because the the bulldogs look like how can I? I'm just trying to think the right way to express this, but they really didn't seem like they were threatening our line in any way, shape, or form, no. and it. And it and and when we were hitting the ball up through the middle of the field, and Isaiah Papali is the, the great example of this, but the post contact meters that were happening for our pack was enormous in that first half. But then when we were getting into the uh, the quarter, the Bulldogs quarter, it seemed like all of a sudden there was a little bit too much lateral, or um, and then we had the the dogs getting up offside, slowing down. It was, as I said, it was just, it was just ugly to watch, especially in the, the first half. And, uh, and even though they tried to continue with those tactics in the second half, fortunately the Eels adjusted quite well and, and got away with what became a comfortable-looking scoreline. And, and it is good it, to see the Eels make those adjustments at halftime. Um, a lot is made in the media of our, the way we finish games. We are, I think, the most successful second-half team 
in the competition, having scored the most points and conceded the least. So it's always good to see us, you know, be able to press, not even the advantage, but to fight back and then, you know, take control of the game in that capacity. But yeah, I mean, I tipped a big win against the Dogs in the Para podcast, so uh, it would have been nice to get the big, big win, but we did secure another, you know, 26-point differential victory, which is very respectable. Oh, uh, I think when you're talking about fans having um or not being happy with a 26 point win where we're really indicative of expectations that are I don't know whether you'd say that they're ridiculously high but when when supporters aren't happy with a big win it's um it's a funny sort of scenario isn't it, it really it, the NRL is just such a wild place right now and I feel like um, as good as the Eels are, the, there's unfair expectations levied on every victory because you see the likes of Melbourne and Penrith blowing out teams uh, even more absurdly than what the Parramatta are doing because 46 to 10 is a huge win in anyone's books. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess we had the slow start, but we still came home and got the job done. It's just things this year are just absurd. Um, the, the difference between the haves and the have-nots has never been more stark by contrast and even though the Eels one of the best three teams, I would say, uh, in this competition, the, the, even their own fans hold them to such such a high level of expectation. So you know, they got the job done, and you know certainly the the tape's going to reveal some issues they have to address. But you know this is a game last year when we were in the same period of the, of the season where we were slumping that we either lose or you grind out a sixteen to ten victory and, and sort of you know well we got the win and you know and a win's a win, but you know the Eels. Yes, there's things that not not even nitpick. There are things to legitimately complain about here, namely that first half. But there was a lot of good in this game, and it's a, a win that you still get momentum from because of the way they finished it. Yeah, and really, it's a good game to go into the match against Penrith on the back of it's. And this uh, is a, a very tricky period now because it's Penrith next up, but it's actually a buy by you know any name but that because of the standalone Origin weekend. So you have standalone origin, Penrith, bye, uh, which leads to a, a very interesting uh, selection to, uh, for Team West Tuesday because you had the two players that dropped down this week in Oregon and Bryce. You also have Reed Marnie, who has declared himself fit, I believe, for the Penrith game, uh, although I know that Brad Arthur was last saying he wanted to rest him there. And now with uh, Harry Grant being ruled out of state of origin, the, the question will be levied towards Reed: Is he ready to go for Queensland? Because they're going to come asking. So there's a lot of intrigue to be had uh, tomorrow mornings when the Queensland team is named, I believe, which will then impact our team was Tuesday the following week. Well, if um, well, it, it it might, but that uh, the the Origin game, of course, gets played before the next round That's of NRL. Right. It's, it's, so it's a standalone. So your guys are backing up. Um, yeah. And for the Parramatta Reels now, all of a sudden you've got Jake Dubovic injured, hit pointer. So that means that I know that Angus Greit will come back into the team, but that's for a back rower. Jake was played as a prop, so all of a sudden Reg has to be in the mix. Um, and then for Queensland, Tom Opacic has to be right in the mix because they got a back rower who struggled badly. Cape uh, was a great player, but he just struggled badly in the centres. And uh, Dane Gagai, who might have to be bumped out to the wing to uh, fill out weaknesses there. So the Eels could all of a sudden go from one origin player to two, three, or maybe even four, depending on how things play out. So, I'd have the. I would suspect that if we had a scenario where Reed Marnie declared himself fit, goes up Queensland, declare him fit. If he plays, I'd be surprised if Parramatta would 
would make him back up. I, I could be wrong, especially if Joe Lussick doing such a rock solid job in relief. So, and and I think that's the best way of describing it is what he's done is absolutely rock solid. So, um, uh, let let's maybe round this out with our three two ones from today. Uh, who have you got for your three two ones? Well, if you're not picking ice, you got a, a, a heart of ice, I'd say, because he he was just superb and. Uh, you you sort of pinch yourself every week that he plays like this because he's there stuck on the Warriors bench if he's getting picked on the bench last couple of years, getting a handful of spare minutes every game, and he's come here and he's legitimately a, a top three back row on the competition. He he is an yep. absolute superstar. So Ice is my runaway uh, three points. Who yep. have you got? You going to go for uh, Big Papa Lee as well? Yeah, there's no question about that. Okay, so we're on the same level there, which is always good to see. The two and one are really interesting though. Um, you know, you've got a, a rookie who had a really solid game, 12 runs, 120 metres for Sean Russell. So he got through his work really nicely, uh, made some good tackles and, and um, some good contributions in general. But, uh, you know, scored a double too. But, you know, Quint Gufson had a great game. Nathan Brown had a great game. And I think I might go with Brownie because that ball he gave to Sean Lane was just the thing of, you know, dreams as a halfback, let alone a lock forward. And he also banged out. Uh, just about 200 metres on top of all the tackles he gets through. Um, but that's not to, not to deny someone like Quentin Gufferson a good game too. So I'll go with Nathan Brown for my two, who's taking up your uh, deuce on the 3-2-1. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, look, it's, as, as far as I'm concerned today, it's um, big man season and uh, I'm going to go with Sean Lane for my two. I think that... His post-contact meters today, and even even taking into consideration the long-distance try that he scored, but I, I thought his carries were strong. He had, he did have that one error, but um, I liked what he produced. And probably for my one, I'm going to go for Gutho. Yeah, I mean, you could throw the rookie in there, Sean Russell, as a uh, even honourable mention, all the one point by virtue of scoring that double on debut. But I think Gufferson is my one too with Sean Lane narrowly missing out purely because of that error. Um, if Sean Lane can get rid of that stuff in his game, he is an origin caliber forward. But the problem is he has that in his game at the moment. So, um, But we talk, we spoke about it regularly, 60s. The move to the middle has really reinvigorated him. He is really difficult to tackle. Uh, opposition teams, regardless of how good their defensive uh, line is, just struggle to bring down the big rangey, uh, once upon a time back rower. Um, and, yeah, because you know. I think, and I've been thinking about this, because tackle, defenders like to go high and wrap up the ball and the body, and they've got to go really high with yeah, him. Yeah, go up to the top of the beanstalk to get uh, Sean Lane wrapped up. Yeah, so he's, and which basically frees those long legs of his to just get, keep pumping in the, uh, in the tackle. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's been doing outstandingly well in that uh, middle defence. So, um, uh, sorry, in the in in the the middle with the attack with the post contact, but mm -hmm. it's just been outstanding. So, um, I I couldn't go past him just for the contribution that he was able to make today. The, the that was a like a season highlight reel try too. He summed it yeah. up beautifully. I thought the dogs actually defended that line break pretty well because they had. Uh, one cover defender taking the the, the two options, Gufferson and, and Nathan Brown on the right. And uh, they had one cover defender taking, would have been Gufferson, I think, who was the faster of the two options, obviously, with uh, the fullback cheating towards uh, Nathan Brown. So uh, Sean Lane, for a great little bit of vision, 
scoring one of the uh, cheekiest tries you'll see this year, which was fantastic. Um, and, and sort of general closing notes here in terms of the NRL game. It was good to see our edge defense being relatively sound again. I know that Hayes was technically caught out, but it took a very good pass to prevent a potential intercept there um, and get it around him with 12 men on the field. Um, and I thought in general during that 12-man window, we defended pretty strongly, which is always good to see. Um, what what have you got to wrap up our NRL portion of this game, mate? Mate, I think any time you're talking about a win over the dogs, I'm going to be happy with that because... Well, given given how ugly it's been in recent years, the fact that we've had uh, two 20-plus victories this year uh, to ease past them is very nice. Um, it's uh, another sweep on the season for the Eels against one of their rivals. Obviously, we completed the sweep last week against the Tigers with the 40-12 uh, to 12 demolition. So, yeah, just uh, really handling this origin period nicely from Parramatta. Um, you know, there's, there's always the potential to slip back. And I know we haven't got a lot of origin reps at this point in time um, being out of action, but there is always the potential to trip up during this uh, window and it's uh, the spot where you need to be accelerating. And the Eels have done just that. They've uh, corrected the, the slide that happened with the back-to-back losses between Manly and South Sydney. And um, they've refound themselves and they're, they're playing good football for the most part. Well, we're at 12-3. Uh, and three. At uh, at round fifteen, mm-hmm. um, we we know what lies ahead. Uh, the uh, obviously that uh, that match against the Panthers is is going to be a big one in uh, two weeks' time, or, and in fact, it's the next round, but it's in two weeks' Correct. time. And then uh, I think it's a nice time to get a bye after that. So I know a lot of the players get the week off before the Panthers game, give a, a chance to freshen up. But that, that'll be a real lift into the Penrith game. And then it's like, from that point on, resetting go, for the go, go, run go, into go. the finals. Yeah. You get out of that bye and you're talking, I think there's a relatively, like, you know, cruisy, there's no real cruisy games in a row, but you take on the Titans, I think. And then it is just a murderer's row after that. You've got every top four team and every top eight team to throw down with pretty much. So Yeah. I, I wrote about that in the bumpers up yes, sir. last week where you've got that big difference with with the the draw for for Parramatta and Penrith who who face each of the other top 6 teams twice during the season then you've got your Melbourne um, South and uh, Roosters who play the other uh, who have two matches against four of the other top 6 sides and then you get Manly, <laughs> who are only expected to face the other top the their matches against the other top six sides. There's only two teams that they have to play and we're one twice, and that's obviously uh, Parramatta and Penrith. Yeah, so they've got an absolutely dream made draw uh, to cruise into the finals. But we've seen in the past that those sort of draws can often backfire when it gets to sudden death football, and uh, perhaps having a more battle hardened approach into the postseason serves your team better. And we're going to see this year for Parramatta because they had a very uh, idyllic run last year. I think their last well, uh, last month I of football was pretty cruisy. And this year they're going to be, you know, grizzled coming into the postseason. They're going to be um, Manly right now would have the Roosters in their sights because I think the Roosters are only two points ahead of Manly on the table. Correct. And, and the Roosters are playing Melbourne, I think in this upcoming round. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the Roosters do hold a 60-point advantage in differential over the Seagulls, but that can evaporate very quickly, as we've seen for some teams. Uh, that can literally 
that could literally evaporate in one week. Yeah, that's if all it you takes. Manly have, in the have a big win, mm-hmm. and the Roosters suffer a, a bad loss. Of which Melbourne are more than capable of putting them on them the way they're playing. So. Ab- abs- absolutely more than capable of doing so. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how that how that pans out. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Manly if if they only need one of the other top four teams. Uh, to slip up, and uh, and I I'm going to declare now that they will finish ahead of the Roosters in the run to the finals. The, the Sea Eagles, is, I think it's um, the, the, I think the Roosters are doing it tough in terms of their injuries and having a tougher draw than Manly. So uh, we'll get to see where where that happens. Now, um, uh, we did have one other game on there today, mate. And the, there was there was also the flag yes uh, yesterday, but that was a another unfortunate outing for our 21s. They ended up losing. To the tune of thirty-two to sixteen out of New Era, uh, they matched the dogs early on, but fell away in the second half. So, yeah, they they've really struggled. We've we've explained why they've been struggling, but like you said, sixties. There was another game today where the Eels got the positive result. Yeah, it's a nice turnaround from uh, the last time that Parramatta took on the uh, took on Mounties. I think Mounties got out to an eighteen nil lead or yes, something like they that. Raced, they raced out time. to was an eighteen nil lead. Right? I, I, spot on eighteen nil lead. They the. Uh, God, I'm having a, a a brain fade here, but uh, the halfback, not Flanagan, um, Lachlan Lewis had the ball on a string or, or tied to a magnet or something like that in that game. Multiple kicks, just took the perfect bounces. Hayes Perham had a shocker at fullback, and they raced out to the 18-0 lead. Perham had a foot back in that game, but it wasn't enough, um, and the dogs prevailed. In uh, one of the, I think Parramatta has only four losses this season. They've been very good in the cup. So this was a good uh, vengeance game. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest win, 22-6, to six, uh, but they got the job done and eventually converted a, a mountain of possession and territory into those points uh, for the Eels, Ellie Elsgaham, Wiramu Greg, Solomon Naiduki, Naiduki, sorry, Solomon, and Blake Ferguson scoring rank and going free from four from the tee. Uh, Jackson uh, Topanay and uh, scoring and Kyle Fanning converting for the Dogs or for the Mounties. Um, I suppose the only real big negative of this game is that I believe that Wiramu Greg was injured in the dying minutes of this game, and I think someone reported that he walked out of the stadium in a moon boot. So I'm not yes. sure the extent of yeah, his injury is there. Yeah, I, I did see him come out in a moon boot, so that that could be unfortunate for him. Um, it, look, it was it was a game which, as you said, wasn't the uh, most attractive game to watch, and I think given that Parramatta a couple of weeks back had both. Um, Joey Lussick and um, Nathaniel Roach as their starting uh, dummy half and bench dummy half in the New South Wales Cup, and both the players were up playing NRL <laughs> this week. It's easy to see where the clunkiness began. Uh, Will Smith started the game, played most of the game at dummy half, but he's not a regular dummy half. He can come in and do a job for um, off the bench, that sort of thing. And but that's, that's a hugely it, different role, isn't it? When you're spelling someone as the relief dummy half and coming and bringing a bit of energy, that's one thing. But to play the majority of the minutes there is a very demanding responsibility. Yeah, and then when he went off the field, um, and I'm trying to think it was um, uh, one of the bench boys, um, the fellow we got from the Bulldogs. Lala Toa Mata'afa. Sorry? Lala Toa Mata'afa. Yeah, Mata'afa. So he from memory was uh, ducking into uh, dummy half in that in the the last 20 minutes or so of the game and yeah there was quite a few passes that were uh, hitting the ground 
rather than finding their mark. And that's that's not a reflection on him because that's not his position. He's he's normally a um, a fullback, a winger, a um, a half. He's capable of playing in the halves, but he's not a dummy half by any stretch of the imagination. So when he came on, yeah, the um, I, I thought it, our halves struggled to have any consistent service and I thought that was reflected in uh, how the how the match went from that perspective. You put it down as a win that they're very happy to get because it it keeps their position up near the uh, Actually second two. second on the ladder now. Uh, so they've now overtaken yeah, the twenty two uh, points Magpies to with that win. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, six points behind the uh, surging Penrith Panthers. So unlikely to bridge that gap between now and the finals because I can't see Penrith dropping the uh, three-plus games needed with Parramatta not dropping anything in the meantime. But uh, the, if they finish top two this season, that is an outstanding result. Uh, oh, it will be. And what what will be an interesting measure as they take on the Penrith Panthers this week is we saw the reserve grade trial up at, up at Penrith earlier this season. And Penrith's reserve grade team did an absolute number on the Eels, I think it was something. Was it something like forty-two or forty-four nil? I think it was 40, it was, forty blot, maybe or something like that. It was a it was a very yeah. one-sided affair. Yeah, and they and and Penrith were fielding a lot of players that I hadn't really heard of. As far as I was concerned, it was a genuine um, New South Wales Cup trial, and it was like, where have they pulled this bloke from? Where have they pulled this bloke <laughs> from? It was just, it was comprehensive. Uh, and that was on the back of Parramatta having a comprehensive New South Wales Cup trial over the win over the Dragons. That's right. We came to this game, this, this trial, pretty confident because Parramatta looked so good with uh, what was even close to our full-strength Reggie's team against the Dragons. A lot of young guys in there. And, yeah, it turns out that Penrith were just a class above. Yeah, so anyway, it's it's always good for the NRL team that they've got a New South Wales Cup team who are on the rise, who yeah, are yeah. who have players in form Speaking who of. that they can select out of out of the uh, out of that team to get a, a run in first grade when he needs to bring in um, players either due to injury or or maybe if he's uh, as I suspect he wanted to get some meters into the legs of Oregon and Bryce Cartwright mm-hmm. by playing him in playing them in New South Wales Cup this week so um he's able to with confidence bring players up to take their place in the nrl team and uh you've got a bit of competition for players you've you've got quality opposed sessions at training and you've got a bit more of a winning vibe throughout the club And, and you compare that to last year and every team went through it but when you had the nrl bubble last year and no reserve grade being played, no New South Wales Cup being played, then you had uh, limitations as to who teams could select in first grade. You had limitations about the quality of the opposed sessions at training, and this year it's full steam ahead with those with those sorts of things. And as we know, we've got a very high opinion of Ryan Carr as a coach. He's doing a fine job with the New South Eels New South Wales Cup team, and uh, and I should also say. Uh, in his involvement with the NRL squad as a whole, so I, although he's the head coach of the New South Wales Cup, I include him in the list of assistant coaches mm-hmm. for Parramatta because he very much fills that role of assistant coach for the NRL squad. 
Well, you spoke about people on the rise in that team. So let's have a quick run through of who impressed us in the 22-6 victory. And uh, once again, it's a, a lot of the usual suspects here. Um, we uh, we saw statistically a number of players have outstanding gains. Uh, Hayes Perham, 22 runs, 225 metres. So he was uh, a very good showing at him at fullback. Ferguson um, pumped up his numbers a little bit with those two uh, line breaks, one where he got bundled to touch and one where he scored. But 13 runs, 230 metres is uh, nothing to snort at. But uh, he's probably uh, still, uh, still a little bit off a first-grade uh, recall, unfortunately, for Fergo. But Will Penasini had another great game, 20 runs, 196 metres. Uh, he made most of his tackles, 85% tackle rate, 11, runs, 11 tackles, just one miss. So uh, another, I wouldn't say timely because he's been doing it for a month now, but... Uh, with Tom Opachik in the mix for State of Origin, allegedly, uh, Will Penasini really uh, pushing his first grade credentials there. Um, I did, I did say to him today, he's next. Yeah, uh, well, uh, the Eels obviously very, uh, very keen on seeing what their uh, crop of blue chippers uh, this year have got because we're already seeing Jake debut along with Sean Russell today getting a double in his debut. So. Um, it's also been a good year for debutants to score for Parramatta because uh, obviously Jakey's scoring um, in the game against New Zealand. So maybe if uh, Will gets the knock, he might be due for three. Uh, one, two, three would be the progression, right, mate? <laughs> yeah, well, in fact, that was even said to Will uh, after the game today. So, uh, yeah, he impressed. I thought uh, Solomoni Naiduki oh, had what a, what a the game. best game that I'd yeah, seen. Yeah, and the, the poor bug is probably going to get dropped uh, next week because uh, you've got Fergo on one wing and Sean Russell will come back to take his uh, spot on that flank naturally. But, geez, he's been hard, he'd be hard done by because he was outstanding. He the, the dogs really struggled to contain him. 15 runs, 202 metres. They only got him for two tackle busts, but I, I swear it was more uh, watching that game. Uh, it could have also been, and, and I would have thought the same if you would have asked me to guess, how many tackle breaks he'd made, I would have said seven or eight. Yeah, comfortably. And, and, and it could just have been a, a case of where, as well of those post-contact metres where and maybe they don't put it down the stat as a tackle break, but he's just barging with players holding on to him and barely holding on to him. So, um, yeah, he, what was his post-contact metres like? They must have been, they must have been yeah. huge then. So, yeah, uh, 202 metres run with 64 of them coming post-contact. Uh, so that was good for third best in the team, it looks like. Uh, leader in post-contact metres and leaders in metres in general. Uh, the Mac attack, big Makahesi Makatoa, 22 runs, 240 metres, 104 post-contact. He is the benchmark, I think, for this team. He has been so good all year. Um, I don't know if a first-grade debut was coming to him this year, but I would love to see him in the Bloom Gold in NRL. Um, I like what Andrew David did for us. He has been the heart and soul of that forward pack, just such a rock. Uh, joining him in with the impressive game was Oregon, 21 runs, 191 metres, 72 post contact. Uh, both of them getting through a ton of work too. 21 tackles, just one ineffective for Makatoa. Uh, 24 tackles, one miss, two ineffective for Kafusi. So both of them being uh, big performers on both sides of the ball. All back rolls had solid games. Elsgam, 100 metres and a try. Bryce Cartwright, really solid. Nothing uh, overly flashy, but 14 carries, 129 metres, and uh, a whack of tackles. They got him down for 27 tackles, just one missed, which is a fantastic effort for the back rower. Uh, Kai Rodwell, who continues to be really good for the Eels, 16 runs, 141 metres. Um, off the bench, Greg scored a really nice try, which is good to see, um, and has a couple, had a couple of good midfield carries, sorry. And uh, even though he made the mistake off the line dropout, um, where he, he ended up catching the foot of the defender and losing the ball, I thought Davey Holes looked really good. Seven carries, 90 metres, uh, so that's a very efficient per-quick rate. 
Um, and he got through 13 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective. So good to see the big man there having, um, I wouldn't say a, a breakout game in, in Reggie's, but just um, being a real positive contributor off the bench. Yeah, and when you're talking about what we're looking for in terms of um, given that Warimu, Greg, could be out for a period of time, we don't. I mean, we don't know yet, but given that he was in a moon boot after the game, uh, it may well be that Davey's going to be expected to play longer minutes coming up to his next match. So that's it's a nice warm-up to, to playing, uh, having a bit more game time for in the New South Wales Cup. So, um, all, look, all told, uh, you'd say it was a a game that you would have... You wouldn't be uh, waxing lyrical about it. In no, they, of- they couldn't convert a lot of that first-half possession and territory into points. The Mounties were very resilient defensively. But at the same time, at least they didn't panic and, and force stuff that allowed, would allow the Mounties to launch huge counterattacks. So they had that going for them. Patience, was, um, patience prevailed on the day. And, you know, because of that, they now own outright second on the ladder. So Eels top three in both grades, in both the important grades, I suppose, uh, there. And um, a lot of young contributors in that Reggie's team really standing up, which you love to see. Yeah, and I put down the grade as positive for that, that there was only six points scored against because we know that in New South Wales Cup and, and, and also in FLEG, that it's not unusual for points to be leaked. By, so, by uh, points I'm happy with. Yeah. Um, and the Eels, yeah, second best defence in Reggie's behind Penrith Panthers there. So um, that's always good. Um, and, you know, just a really fun team to watch even when they're struggling. Um, they they just have a lot of guys that are, are good to watch, whether it's Solomon and Iduki, whether it's uh, the prop forwards like Makatoa and Oggie and Wiramu Greg. And as you mentioned earlier and gave him the shout-out, Ryan Carr doing an outstanding job. Um, yeah, and I think even though we, we've got a couple of senior players there, there's also a group of players who you know that big futures await them. Mm-hmm. So it's from... I think that has a lot to do with the excitement of of watching a team like that, knowing that they are performing well and that you've got players of the future running around for the team. And I don't think you could really want too much more from your New South Wales Cup team. So uh, well done to them. And, um, mate, uh, just before we do wrap up, I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, some people. First of all, to Nathaniel Roach. Uh, after the game, I uh, was waiting for a few... Uh, people to catch up with, have a bit of a chat. And uh, Nathaniel was, um, uh, when he was leaving, and he did have an injury, as we know, but uh, we mentioned to him that there was a special Eels fan who was looking for his signature, and I asked him if he wouldn't mind waiting till I went to go and uh, get that uh, supporter to get an autograph, get a photo, that sort of thing. And he just said, look, uh, mate, I'll, I'll wait as long as you need me to wait for, for the supporter. So he uh, he waited for him, took the photo, signed the autographs. And then a little bit after that, um, we had uh, ex-Eels legends, uh, legendary coach John Money, and the fullback for the Eels' very first uh, premiership side, um, Steve McKenzie, mm-hmm. who also went out of their way to... Uh, sign autographs and to have photos taken with this and particular supporter. You, and 
and it was and it was at their their insistence that they come over and do that so uh it was really uh really a positive uh end to the day as far as i was concerned to see uh the just that that sense of appreciation of uh, supporters and, and special supporters. So um, yeah, uh, well say, done. I'd love to see that from Nathaniel Roach. Uh, any modern player, but under, I just I suppose the easiest way of saying is that gets it, that understands that that connection to fans um, is that important. Is always great to see. But I, I tell you what, in terms of that, uh, anyone from that era, from the seventies to the eighties, that seems par for the course. Um, from everything we've done in the pregame show um, at Pablo's this year, having a chance to chat to some um, some of the outstanding legends of the Eels during that period, where, whether it's uh, Brett Kenny or, or Dave Lydiard or um, Zipsy Bella, they, they all seem like just really good people um, and so heavily involved in a lot of charity work post-career and heavily involved in communities. Um, so, yeah, uh, really, really cool stuff to see and always great to see that sort of engagement with fans, mate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as you said, it's really important when players, as you said, get it. That they just understand that um, it's their time in the game gives them a chance to give give back to supporters, and especially when, when you're talking special supporters as well. So yeah, really good to see, and um, just a special shout out to to those people. So nice way to, to wrap up yet another edition of the tip sheet. Always great to have an instant reaction episode where the Eels post a. A pretty comprehensive victory, um, and in saying that, it was a 36 to 10 win over the Dogs. Completes the 2-0 sweep against their inner Western or Western Sydney rival, as it is, um, with the Eels consolidating their position on the ladder back to outright third ahead of the Rabbitohs. Got the uh, representative weekend off coming ahead of us, where the uh, Blues will be taking on the Maroons in Game 2 for State of Origin. So uh, going to have to see how many Eels participate in that one. Obviously, Junior Polo is almost a certainty to pick for the Blues, but we got... The likes of Reid Marnie pending fitness, uh, Tom Opachik, and maybe Reagan Campbell-Guard or even Nathan Brown in the mix there. So we'll wait and see. The Blues team should be announced tonight. I think it was like 8 o'clock last time, 60s, and then the Maroons team announced tomorrow. So we'll have to wait and see on that. I'm just going to quick check, see. No, I haven't been announced yet. Um, but yeah, on that note, I think we'll uh, wrap it up nicely. Um, we will have, I don't know, uh, we, we, we haven't got a game to preview maybe we'll have a reflection on the first half and a bit of the season um to cover the week off i don't know what do you yeah uh, i've got a few things to talk to you about there mate so we've got we do have some we do have some things coming up so there might be a special edition or two of the podcast coming up in the next uh, week or so i like the sounds of that but for this week that's all there is I will sign off here. I'm 4020, your host and my co-host 60s as always thanks for stopping by hope you enjoyed it see you guys on the other side Go the Eels.